0: I'm Vic Cohen, and it's a fair question. It's a fair question. It's a fair question. I'm Vic Cohen, and it's a fair question. It's a fair, it's a fair, it's a fair, it's a fair question. I'm Vic Cohen, and it's a fair, it's a fair, it's a fair, it's a fair quest, quest, Hello there, everyone. This is Vic Cohen. I want to thank you all for joining us here, joining me and my very special guest. This guy is incredible. I've had the good fortune to work with him on the Howie Mandel Show, uh, one of my earlier jobs, and it was just such an amazing experience, and one of the reasons was because I got to work with guys like this guy, our guest. He is a musician. You are hearing him playing in the background. Yes, that is a trombone live in the studio. He's played for and with Natalie Cole, Beyonce, Justin Timberlake, Stevie Wonder, the Count Basie Orchestra, Earth, Wind & Fire, Frank Sinatra, Frank, yes, Frank Sinatra, Ray Charles, the list just keeps going on and on, Whitney Houston. It's really amazing. So we are going to talk to him about his incredible career, how the music industry has been changing over the years, and what he's up to. Please welcome, although if you're at home, it's going to be hard to welcome him. Yeah, stand up and start applauding wherever you are, Wendell Kelly. Hello, Wendell. How are you? How are you, Vic? Man, that was great. Thank you. And that was made up, right? Of course. Right? That's your little theme song, man. You know, I really do like that as a theme song. You need a theme song. I feel like it, it kind of does represent me. Whenever we see you, we're going to think that song. I, you know, I love it. And they say everyone should have a theme song. That's right. right? What's your theme song? Um, well, you it used like- to be Shaft, but they took that one.
1: <laughs> you know, I was really small. I was walking really cool down the street, and they said, hey, there's a good tune. I said, no, it's taken. <laughs> so, fine. I don't know what my theme song is. Well, why
0: the, let me ask, why why the, the, the trombone? trombone?
1: You know what? That is a good question. It was the only thing left in the closet at school.
0: Really? Is <laughs> really that true? It really was.
1: It really was. I was when I started the junior The triangle high school, wasn't even there? It wasn't even there. They took that. That's uh-huh. even better than the trombone. That's right. how they think right. of us. But I was, it was funny. The the band director from another uh, school came, and I was playing the euphonium. It was like a baby tuba. Uh-huh. And we wanted to play it. It's like called a euphonium. Okay. And it looks like a baby tuba. All right. right. And they said, uh, well, you can't play that in the jazz band. You have to play trombone. I said, Okay. They go, Oh, there's one in the closet.
0: I go, Great. So that was it. That was it. I picked it up. Did uh this was when? How oh my p- gosh. I was like probably how was thirteen? Okay, so is that when you really started playing?
1: Well, start playing brass, but before that I was you're a, a brass garage man? band. Oh, I was a garage band musician.
0: My That brothers- was an ass joke. I said you're a brass man. I'm not saying oh, it was a great man. joke. That, that was it was I went, bad. It went by me pretty Is quick. that a musician joke? Like could you use that or have you <laughs> yes. heard that a lot already? Yes. Brass off. Oh, okay. What is that? Oh, that's another thing they say? Yeah, exactly. Okay, go on. Sorry. (laughs) Anyways. I interrupted
1: you. (laughs) So I started playing with my brothers. They were like garage band guys. And I would go around and play the drums and the guitar and the bass and everything. And I was getting pretty good at it. Right. And then, you know, they got older and went on to other things. And I'm the only one that kind of stuck, you know, stuck with it and started taking piano lessons, which I hated. Every kid should hate piano lessons, by the way.
0: I enjoyed piano. Oh, my gosh. But I also enjoyed Hebrew school. Oh, wow. So I was kind of going against the grain. I always like to be different.
1: Yeah, that was different. Yeah. I just didn't like getting beat up with a ruler with my hands.
0: (laughs) Did you really? That's called abuse. Yeah, it was. Back then, it was okay. How old were you? Was it when you Um, guys started the piano?
1: I was about maybe six or seven. Are you, would you say, a musical genius? I would say a musical I try really hard. Do you play by (laughs) ear? You know, I did at the beginning, and then when you start reading notes, you're like, what are these? What do I have to l- – that's where piano came and That's why I didn't like it because I used mm-hmm. to listen to stuff on the radio and play it on the piano. So you could play by ear.
0: Oh, sure. So oh, if yeah. someone had a f- – what was it, like a top song back then? Do you remember the first song that you could play by ear that you just loved? My Girl. My Girl. Yeah. Talking loved- about
1: – my, my girl. Oh my gosh! Something like a voice, that, man. Oh yeah, we should, yeah you know, the we Temptations, to all this. Which was funny yeah. because later in life, I ended up was one of my first big gigs with the Temptations and the Four Tops, the Motown groups. Mm-hmm. And of course, my mom was just so happy about that. You know, she's
0: passed on now. But, Did you get free tickets for? her? Oh gosh, horse? yeah. She Did would, she come backstage? And, she would
1: call me up, even if she knew somebody. Like they ended up living in Vegas before my parents passed away. They would call me up, no matter who was in town, and go, "Do you know somebody in this guy's band?" I go, "Uh, yeah." All right, I need tickets. That's, Where that's, they were in Vegas, or when they here. in Vegas? But you grew up you here, here in here. LA, right? Yeah, I grew up in Orange County. I was actually a Marine kid down in Orange County. My dad was a Marine. Okay, you and know? they were very supportive. Oh, incredible! Did they want you to join the Marines? You know what? I asked my dad to join, but he but he said no. Your other older brother's done it. My other brothers done it. I've done it. And my dad did twenty two years. He was World War II, Korean, Vietnam. Wow! So he's like, nah, they'll just go to school and you know do. Are what he's you the only one do. who went to college? I well, my sister went to college part time. My mom did; she graduated. My dad went until the war started, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, but I'm the only one that went. I guess gotten a, gotten a master's. In fact, right master's over, from
0: USC. Correct? Yeah, exactly. And, and that's really a well uh, known, world renowned school, absolutely, isn't it? Absolutely. Absolutely. Is it known for brass in particular, or just you music know, overall?
1: I think music overall. I mean, it's when I got when I was there, it already had a reputation, of course, but. I think what made it even better was their commercial department, you know, which had more jazz and stuff that really started to make the department more, even more popular with commercial people. Mm. So everybody was like, oh, you went to USC, not just on the classical end, which if you go to USC and you have classical degree and everything like that, people pick you up all the time. So, you know, it really made a difference. And it was a lot of fun, but I went back to school. I was at Long Beach State. And when I got a scholarship to USC You know, I was like, okay, what am I doing here? You got a full ride for your masters?
0: Full ride, man. Wow.
1: It was amazing.
0: Yeah, and I'm sure you were up against a lot of people.
1: Oh, yeah. And this guy, well, Herb Alpert, the great Herb Alpert at the time, you know, had the whole scholarship program there. And um, it was, I mean, this was back in 1990. And he put a lot of us
0: through school, man. I now, mean. I'm imagining that you grew up maybe like your childhood without giving you an age. Because uh, right. it's show business. We a lot right, of people right. don't like to share their <laughs> full age. But I'm imagining that, um, you know, there's always been racism in our country. I sure. mean, it exists today. Sure. Uh, sadly. Yeah. Which always surprises me. Because, right. you know, it seems, seems like we're going backwards in right. a lot of ways. And I'm just curious uh, what you experienced as far as being an african-american young man breaking into show business probably i'm guessing in the 70s or right. that era uh what was it like because you hear so many stories there's so many geniuses came out of that right. time
1: well i think in the 60s was really rough you know and i mean just to let you know i hated the 60s so that was my age i didn't like <laughs> the 60s just because of everything if we look back on history the turmoil uh, you know, civil rights changing, everybody getting, you know, hopefully new opportunities, whereas some people were rebelling against those new opportunities. In the 70s, I think people were starting to get used to the idea, but still it was still out there. Um, and it's about opportunity. And I've always said that racism is about, you know, finances. I don't really think it's so much uh, about what color somebody is. It's economics. Somebody doesn't want you to have you know, they don't want you to have money. They don't want you to have this. So it comes down to an economic thing versus in, they, I think they just see color or what religion you are as just a tool to use to keep you out, you know? And if you think of it that way, I start to say to myself, well, my dad told me, and especially as a Marine, you have to be the best you can be, right. you know? And you look at those obstacles that are out there, like your age or your sex or your color or religion, or whatever. And you have to think, okay, who can I be around that's going to help me? Because there's going to be knuckleheads out there. Yeah. You know, so you just have to, you know, avoid them. I came up with saying it says you can't get mad at a skunk for smelling like poop. Right. He is a skunk. That's his gig. Right. So you can't change people like that.
0: That's a great point. You know, there's a saying and like, you know, the that serenity prayer. Right. You know, right. grab me the serenity, accept the things I can. not right. yeah, The courage to change the things I can. Right. And the wisdom... To you know, know the, the difference, difference. You know, like, exactly. Yeah, to things like, can I change the, you know what I'm saying? Right. If, if, if someone's a, as you say, knucklehead, right. you, you can't change a knucklehead. You can't, you can't do you know? that. So, so you have to
1: go around them and get around people that are going to help you. And my dad always said, always try to be the worst in, in, in a group and then rise to be the best in that group. Wait,
0: Don't always you. try to start out as the worst? Start as the worst. So in other words, uh, learn from the others right. and, and have a place
1: to go, mm-hmm. you know, because if you get into a group and you're the best, who are you learning from? You're not, you're not growing. Well, aren't you the best now? Well, (laughs) my kids think I'm the best. But I'm one of the best. But I have my, my peers and I have, you know, people that I've looked up to for years. And, you know, people are starting to look up to me, you know, for a long time, which is great. But I still push myself to practice more. To, to do whatever it is that I need to do, you know, better.
0: How often do you practice? I mean, you're I pro. practice well. being... Don't you know how to play the trombone by now? You know what? I <laughs> do, but it, it's almost like it's a maintenance
1: thing. It's like, uh-huh. you know how to lift weights, but if you stop, you know, and then when you start back up again, you know how to lift those weights, but you go through the pain, you know, and mm-hmm. all my legs hurt, all my back, you know. You just don't want to have to, you know, uh, go backwards, you know, but you know what to do.
0: Well, it's like a great—well, you know, like a lot of NBA players, um, oh, yeah. you know, they are they never stopped. You right. I mean, look at Walter Payton in the NFL running up hills. Oh, yeah. And, you oh, know, yeah. I mean, it's it's not like once they got in. It's kind of like once they got in, it really got right. tough for as far as the personal regimen and discipline they uh, imposed and, and on the themselves. And the competition,
1: you know. I remember Michael Jordan right before, when he went to the Wizards, and he was playing with these young kids, and he's diving on the floor. He's He messed up his chin diving for the ball and everything, and he's looking at these kids going— I'm 38 years old. What are you guys doing? You know, aren't you hustling? Aren't you pushing yourselves? Right. And, you know, you get relaxed in a situation. That's why my dad said, you can start out the lowest and then you get to the top.
0: You got to find a new group to be in. Well, you have a positive energy about you. Oh, you thank know, you. you're like a smile. Oh. You know, you just have a sweetness and in, in, uh, in this feeling of just of goodness. Oh, thank And you. Uh, did you get, yeah, sure. Did you get this from your family, do you think? Absolutely. Is it more your father, your mother or both? You know what?
1: Unfortunately, there's a lot of people out there today that don't have both parents or didn't grow up with both parents. I was, you know, I don't want to say I'm lucky, but I did have both parents. And I, I didn't want to be raised just by my mom. That would have been a catastrophe. If I was just raised by my dad, that would have been another catastrophe. Mm-hmm. So it was great to be raised by these two people to get both sides, you know, the coin and the outlook. But they were both spiritual people you and know christian
0: is that spiritual yeah there yeah, were, cr- yeah,
1: were christian people but more i think there were more i mean they went to church and everything like that but they were more spiritual because if you, you didn't go to if you don't have a chance to go to church every sunday or whatever you still have to have church inside of you what's, what's your spirit about
0: yeah you know are what's you doing, your spirit about would
1: you say my spirit is about making sure that i can be the best i can be and i have to love myself first I studied martial arts for many years, and I think with martial arts teaching you, it's not about, you know, beating up people, and that's not it, you know, even defending yourself to a certain point. But when you're going through this whole thing, you're actually learning about yourself. What's Mm -hmm. my weakness? What's my strengths? We have to work on our weaknesses, okay? And we have to not work so much on our strengths, and I think that's one of the things that I try to do. You have to balance out your life. What would you you
0: say are some of your weaknesses?
1: I think my weakness is... um, it's a, it's good and bad. When I put my mind to do something, I I really go for it and that's good, but it's also bad because I kind of get in a zone. You
0: little all or nothing? Kind of almost. It's hard to have balance, isn't yes, it? Yes, it's very difficult for to me do that. that is when I can do that too.
1: Yeah, I think performers, you know, have a tendency to be perfectionists mm-hmm. and And then if one thing doesn't go right, we can either go one way or the other. It's like, oh, okay, well, forget that really quick. Or we're like, okay, I messed that up. Let me just move on. You know, we have a tendency to either drop it really fast or just grab it and say, okay, I'm going to use this as a tool to make myself more
0: successful, you know. Tell me, what was it like working with Frank Sinatra? How closely did you work with him? How many years? You know, I I, I just just did a show with him.
1: I just did one show show. with him,
0: yeah. Where was that?
1: That was at the Shrine Theater down real close to here. And it was called 80 Years My Way. That was the name Mm -hmm. of the show. And it was his celebration of his his life. And they had all these different people come on there and play. And he sang at the end and everything. So that was... It was uh, his
0: 80th birthday? His 80th birthday. A tribute to him?
1: Yes. And he was there. And it was amazing, you know.
0: Did you actually rehearse with him prior to the show? No.
1: He just got up there and did his thing. He, what did he go, like, C major? Or, well, he, or, or he was started, we started playing my way, and he just grabbed the mic and started doing his thing. you do thing. what key
0: to play it in? That oh, he, oh, yeah. We did his what key. key. What key does he sing oh, in? Gosh. It? You just know oh. off the top of your head, generally? Yeah,
1: people know the arrangements and everything like that, and and he just went up there and started singing, and it was, it was I don't want to say it was a surprise, but it was great to see him just. You know, do that. Cause a lot of times with these big stars, we don't even rehearse with them. Most of the time, you rehearse with the band leader and then the star comes in, you know, right before the show, Mm -hmm. you know, so they have what they wanna do. The conductor knows what they wanna do
0: and they don't even waste
1: time half the time.
0: Now, a lot of the people that you've played with, you've been in studio. Oh, yeah. You know, you've been recorded, correct? Yes. And when I look at the list Mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, I could only, we only have time to go for some of these people. There were so many others listed. Um, you know, I look at this and I go, "Wow, Wendell must be rich," <laughs> because look at all these people that you've played with. And if you're recording, like every time a song is sold, don't doesn't Wendell get a piece of that? If yeah, he's on the get, album, yeah,
1: you get residuals. You know, every year. So, w-
0: aren't you like totally rich?
1: No, I wish I were. You know, why they,
0: not? <laughs> they actually fade out after a while. You <laughs> <Some> know, obnoxious to me to ask, but you no, know, like, seriously, it's, it's like you, know, it's you it's look at this question. list, right? I was expecting you to pull up in a Benz, like <laughs> a, a Rolls Royce oh, or uh, not a Benz, fun. not a Mercedes. I was, right, right. Bigger. I was right, expecting bigger. Right. You know, like... Uh, that's my something. LA car
1: that I pulled up in.
0: Yeah. I don't care where I park it. That's smart. <laughs> that's smart. Um, so, it, like, with the way the music business has changed over the years, has that affected your income, like with iTunes and that kind of thing?
1: You know, it, it has in certain ways. I remember the one thing that really affected everybody was Y2K. Yeah. You know, when the 2000 came around, everybody thought that the whole world was going to stop and everything. That's right. And remember that? Oh, yeah. And then, and then all of a sudden, all these uh, uh, New Year's Eve parties stopped, and all these things that people were had going on before, they stopped. Then they realized, oh, maybe we don't need to have a New Year's party, or maybe we don't need to have a band. Maybe we can have a DJ, and, and it's so easy to, you know, digitize things and have these mobile DJs go around and do things. So... In that respect, it has cut down on, you know, we call them casuals, which is like a wedding or any type of party. That's what we call it in, in, in back east. They call it uh, something else, but we call it a casual. Live performance no, at exactly, a party, essentially, exactly. right? And it pays well and everything, but people started cutting back. What does it pay? Like I'm just curious. Like, uh, for- like a normal Saturday night, you know, you would probably get... Anywhere from three to $400 for, like, four hours.
0: For being part of the orchestra? Yeah. And this is, like, what, like a 10-piece band yeah, or something? Yeah, a
1: more. Yeah, it's about... It's that's, that's, that's pretty good
0: money. Yeah, it's
1: pretty good. And, and a lot of guys were doing it, you know, two and three night times Getting cash? Week. Oh, well, no. They usually, you know... Cut your check? Get, cut, cut your check and do Goes it. their payroll and that. Yeah, exactly. You know, and so, that
0: changed after Y2K, after yeah, 2000? things
1: started changing. Then the economy, you know, 2008, which was that's worse. That's true. Yeah, you know? everywhere. And everybody started just cutting back, you know. So musicians, a lot of guys... You know, started getting, you know, quote unquote day gigs, you know, uh, trying to get into the teaching um, or just finding other things to do. I mean, and how I, did
0: that make you feel? Were you depressed over that or were you excited about new opportunities or did it not really affect you that much? <laughs> well,
1: I think it affected me just in the sense of wondering where it was going to go. But my dad always said, you know, you got to have a lot of you know things going on. So I started arranging more. So I'm, like, right now I'm doing a project for a gospel album, and I'm doing the arrangement for it. Okay, so, so
0: arranging music, not furniture. Or... Exactly.
1: That would be nice, <laughs> would I'm be, good at that, though. That'd be really funny. My living room good. looks or really flowers. nice. Or flowers. You're not
0: arranging flowers. <laughs> exactly. Right? I've got this beautiful arrangement I'm working it's on. It's beautiful. It's got some... Whatever, roses and tulips. But it pays a lot of money, the arrangements, you know. So arrangement, doesn't that mean writing? Exactly. I mean, that's another word for writing. Yeah, we have a program. There's a software program
1: called Finale. There's one called Sibelius where you can actually plug in the notes, you know, on a screen And, you know, and you can listen to it back. So if there's any mistakes, back in the old days, you know, people used to have to write those scores out. And if there was a mistake, it could either be the copyist or the musician. But now you can listen to things over and over again and go, okay, this is perfect. You print the music out, there's probably no mistakes. And then when you hear a mistake, it's probably the musician. So so things actually go
0: faster. So you're um, kind of, I hate the term reinventing yourself, but let's just say you're finding other avenues.
1: Well, I kind of moved it over a little bit. I'm still playing a lot. You know, I'm not touring as much anymore, just because I I don't want to, because of having a family. Mm-hmm. You know, I've got two girls, nine and five. You know, wow, yeah, I started late. Nick.
0: Yeah, that's okay. I now, late. is this you? You're married. I'm married. Did do you believe how long have you been married? I've been married almost well nine years, ten years in November. Do you believe that it's because you were so committed to the career and the travel and the challenges of being a musician on the road that it kind of delayed this part of your life, marriage, kids?
1: Yeah, I think if if I if I had gotten married early let's say you know 28 30 um, I think I w- would definitely not be married <laughs> just because it's so much travel and, the, and everybody's so individual but I think when you start having kids you need to be home you know I remember a story Bob Hope said and this was a great story his little son I can't remember what his son's name was Bob Jr you know exactly <laughs> so Bob Jr was sitting there and he's saying, okay so. I'm 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 getting ready to leave and then he goes, okay, see you later Bob Hope. And that's when he realized, oh, my gosh, I'm not even daddy to this kid. I'm wow. Bob
0: Hope. Yeah, that's you know, sad. Man, exactly. Reminds so, me of the cats in the cradle. You know, exactly, exactly. So uh, it being on the road doesn't have the same, uh, like, uh, high gloss that it did in the past?
1: Well, there's some gigs out there that pay a lot of money, you know, and there's some acts that— What pays a lot of money? There's some acts that you never even heard of that okay. are, like, out of the country. You know? What's the most you've ever been paid to play live? Most I've ever been paid probably about, it took about three hours. It was just one show in LA and it was $2,500. For three hours? That's pretty good. Yeah, that's pretty good.
0: Where's the, the furthest you've ever flown for a job? South Africa. And what was that about? That was, I was touring with this group, um...
1: It's called the Al McKay LA All Stars. They played the music of Earthwind and Fire, who which later I ended up recording with Earthwind and Fire, but this band Al recreated after leaving Earthwind and Fire in, in the early eighties and um, they started playing all over the world and they're still doing it now. I actually left the band, you know, years ago just because they were just traveling so much and I wanted to kind of settle down. I was with that band for three years. But we went from LA, you know, to the East Coast all the way to Europe and all the way down to South Africa, and came back, and it was a 25,000-mile trip. Wow. So we literally, we, we went right, right around the earth as far as miles. Yeah, that's
0: amazing. And hmm. That must have been an amazing experience. It was incredible, you know. So when um, you look at your, well, when I think about you as a musician, as, as a younger man prior to, not that you're old, but prior to your marriage right. and your kids, I would imagine that you were getting um, laid a lot. You know what? Yes, um, I mean, do people throw themselves at the trombone? Well, because usually I would think also the, the, the trombone guy. Here, tell me if I'm right. Okay. I would imagine, and please, I apologize ahead of time if this is going a little too far. No problem. But it is a fair question. Sure. I would imagine that you're very good with your mouth. I will just Absolutely. leave it at that.
1: Absolutely. As a brass player, you have to have the best lips and the best tongue. Ever and that came in very helpful <laughs> in many situations.
0: Were there any women who actually pointed that out and said, "Wow, you know, I've never been with I, a I brass guy," <laughs> 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 but that was incredible. What's well, that Seinfeld
1: episode where? Or the saxophone player, you know about that one? I don't remember. There's don't Elaine, I... and, and he, you know, has his time with her. And at the end of the show, he's trying to tongue, and his tongue's no good, you know. <laughs> so he can't, couldn't articulate anything because he was with her. So but, do you have crazy stories, like rock and roll type stories? Yes. You know, and I, you know, so I always think about guys like the Stones and Aerosmith and even the Rat Pack guys. Yeah. And I'm thinking, my gosh, nobody is going to be able to party Harder than these guys, you know. that's you just let you just give them that. But I've had some, you know, some stories that tell me.
0: Let's hear it. We all we all want to hear it. Like, uh, what's the craziest story? Just it's just between us. One crazy story
1: that I could share with you. Well, there was one that was kind of weird, like band wise.
0: Okay. There was a guy. This has got to be your most crazy. Well, well that's, this that's, has got to be. It's pretty crazy. You have to be naked in the story, okay? <laughs> it can't be like a story like we got lost and we missed a gig. This is got to be like six girls, oh. a mother, a grandmother, and great grandmother were like, "We love trombone guys, and this is our thing."
1: <laughs> well, I remember I was so drunk one time that I thought that this woman was a the man was a woman. But it was a woman. Whoa! But I mean, I wasn't. Wait, you I thought the man? You were with a man? No, I wasn't with him. But I was like looking, going, "Wow!" And I was being really nice, thinking, "Is this a possibility?" And then, you know, when I kind of took the beer goggles off, I realized this is not something I want to be doing. <laughs> so
0: you came close to making love to a man? No. I yes! <laughs> That's a yes. Yeah, this, is called backpedaling. this is called backpedaling. Okay, well, I don't want to put you too much on the spot. I know you've got uh, a family now. But I'll tell you a funny one. Okay, go ahead.
1: We were, we were in the place, you know, and the trumpet player was not getting along with the sound guy. And one was from Detroit <laughs> and one was from Chicago. So that dynamic right there was crazy.
0: Well, I'm from Chicago. We're, we love people from Detroit. Okay, Maybe. sure. Well, people from Detroit probably think that they are hot... Shit, because they're right. from Motown. Or, exactly. Or that, you know, we're from the, you know. So it was not going well.
1: And okay. so we go to dinner, and they're yelling at each other, beautiful restaurant. I think in Chicago? In, in Italy. We're oh, in Italy, okay. Right? You've seen the world. Oh, yeah. It was, I mean, we were in Italy 20 times a year with this band. It was nuts. We're at this beautiful restaurant, and they're still yelling. I'm like, guys, come on. So we go to change, you know, and we change. We come back for the show. The hotel's just a short walk. We come back, and it's still going. We play the show. It's still going. They're still, and now they're drinking. Right? Uh, so, next thing we know is I'm in the our our little, like, a bus, and we're signing autographs and everything. All of a sudden, we hear yelling and screaming. And we're like, what's going on? We go outside, and literally, want, the sound man is beating up the trumpet player with a bag of rocks. Wow. He had collected a bag of rocks... And he's going to town on this guy. And one of the singers is a bouncer. So he clacks the guy and pulls him out. And, but the funniest thing was we had another sound guy who ended up taking over the, the gig, you know, having to do double duty. And the other guy, his wife worked for United. So he got a flight home for free. He didn't have to worry about it. So we only, only we had, usually had four horns and we ended up having three. And the other guy went to the hospital, but he came back and we left Italy with him and he ended up finishing the tour. He was a trooper and it wow. was was so crazy. Yeah. nobody could even comprehend that it. it would get to that level.
0: But it does. It gets to that level. What's, what were the drugs like on the road? Um, I don't see you doing a lot of drugs. You know,
1: I don't. I don't do drugs. I mean, I smoked back in the day. Coke? We we ever? Nah, I tried it once, but I stayed up too long. I yeah. like
0: sleeping. Yeah, yeah. Well, you actually have to really take care. You know, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong on this, but I think of like a guitar player stuff. Like you're using your face, your yeah. mouth. I mean, like when you snort Coke, you're involving yeah. that entire part of your body. Yeah, and the breathing part and you the You know, nose you could and... really have no career. Oh, yeah, yeah.
1: It's in. It's happened to a lot of guys.
0: Have you seen a lot of drug use on
1: the road? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, heroin? I've seen some heroin. I I mean, I, of course, you hear the stories. And um, some guys just, you know, ex heroin. It's almost, almost. It's weird because seeing guys that were on those drugs and how they're dealing now. It's, it's even tougher. Do
0: you ever work with Glenn Campbell?
1: No, he's one of my idols, man. Yeah, that
0: movie, that documentary. Oh, about that him, was amazing. What a film! I, if you guys are watching and listening haven't seen it. Um, Glenn Campbell uh, has Alzheimer's, and I right. hear he's not doing very well. Right. Uh, he's really taken a dive. Yes. But uh, when this documentary was made maybe two or three years ago, mm-hmm. and uh, it, it's just amazing to see. Now, uh, he was a great studio musician and, before he became Glenn Campbell. Yeah. He, he was, was part a studio. Of, yes,
1: he was part of the Wrecking Crew, the L.A. guys. that did. And they had those guys, right? That's you, right.
0: Okay, well, we don't want to get too inside here for those right. who haven't seen the documentary, but definitely... Check it out. It's right. a winner, right? Exactly. And you don't it's have a, to be a music person. No. But if you are... And it's about family
1: and yeah. just coping with someone that has that disease, you know, and trying to make a way, and then all of a sudden being a, an entertainer. I mean, there was a parts in there where he was forgetting lyrics, and the audience was so on his side, yeah. it didn't even matter. He could have just sat there for 10 minutes and not
0: and just played, you know, and everybody would have been behind him. So I could spend hours going over the list of... Amazing, you know, brilliant talent you've worked with. Oh because you. we don't have the time. Yes. I want to ask you who has surprised you the most or blown you away the most? Um, you where you're working with this person and you're like, you know, this is this is clearly For like real. a God given thing here. I mean, this is this talent is just outrageous. I can think of three people. Okay.
1: One of them is a clarinet player that most people don't even know. His name is Eddie Daniels. He was probably the one single instrumentalist who I just said that no one should be able to play that good. He plays amazing. Eddie Daniels, great clarinet player. Okay, and
0: it's, if we want to find him on YouTube or whatever, oh, yes. he's still great. playing? Oh, yes. He's an
1: amazing... Okay. down in Santa Fe. He's a great uh, musician. Jazz? jazz and classical. He's a great classical player. Okay. We, I had the opportunity to back him up in college, and he just blew us away.
0: Okay, you know? so we so got Eddie Daniels. The
1: Eddie Daniels. The second one was is, unfortunately, you know, she passed away, uh, Natalie Cole. Uh, we were in Brazil, and it was amazing because she's on the stage, and we're performing, and the lights hitting her, and she had this incredible dress on, and I can tell you the lights were going right through it. And we were watching her and just marveled at how beautiful she looked and how great she sounded that literally the trombone section, we forgot to come in. Mm-hmm. We, just, we just didn't play, and I'll never forget my friend Dave Trigg was lead jumper player. He said, yeah, trombones, and I said, well, we're going to go out and get a couple of tickets. It might be a little bit easier to watch the show from there, but she was you know, definitely you know, one. But I'll tell you, one of the guys that blew me away, and he's you know, still a friend of mine today, Clint Black. Mm. country artist. In fact, I met I him. I like
0: that answer because it's, uh, it's a surprise. Yes. You know, I know you because we've been talking more about like, I think of you as more Motown and that right. kind of genre right. for some reason. And
1: Here we are a country. Clint Black, it's incredible.
0: I met him on the Howie Show.
1: And it was funny because when uh, we were doing the show, and uh, we're coming towards the end of it, and Clint was a guest, and we're all the bands getting there, we're getting makeup on, and he goes, hey, what do you guys do? And he asked us what he was. You know, we all played. I said, I play trombone, and he goes, trombone? There's no need for a trombone in a country band. So about five or six months later, all of a sudden, Lee Thornburg, who was the trumpet player on the band, said, hey, Clint's going to have a you know little month tour. You want to do it? I'm like, of course, I'll do it. And so I told the manager the story, you know, and I, so when I got to Nashville, I said, where's Clint? He goes, oh, he's upstairs. I go, great, because he knew the story. Don't need him I go up there and I jump right in front of him. He's like, "Holy crap!" And I go, "No need for a trombone in a country band, huh?" <laughs> you know. So, we but did, he knew that. that a did, trombone had been hired? Right? Yeah, but they didn't know who it was.
0: Oh, that's great. Yeah, no, so that was so a really he didn't surprise. like ask for
1: you. It was just a coincidence. No, exactly. So that's what was really funny about it. Yeah, and then it. and then we did. It was a month tour. And then the next thing we know, it was the the Thanksgiving, the Dallas Cowboys Thanksgiving halftime show. And they hired us again. Like, hey, guys, want we'll to do the show. We did. We did the show. And every gig after the people saw that wanted the horn section. Mm-hmm. So a one month gig turned it in turned into three years. It was amazing. Working steadily, steadily
0: with Clint. Steadily with Clint. Do you not work with him anymore? No.
1: You know, it's been a long time. He retired, time. didn't he? Or no, he just he doesn't play, doing oh. some, he's
0: still play some. He's still tours. He's one of the richest people in music. He's, he's great. I mean, I, there was never
1: a time where anything, if anything was weird, he either compensated you for it
0: or what would be weird? How do you define weird? Like you're working too late or
1: if you went to a hotel and it wasn't up to his satisfactory, he'd give you a hundred bucks. Like, sorry. Like what? You know, most people just say, well, Hey, sorry about the hotel and. That's it, pat you on the back. But he actually did something about it. I mean, it was amazing. I remember leaving, like, on a Friday. They'd have a limo pick me up on Friday, and I'd get to, you know, my destination. We'd do a show on Saturday, come home on Sunday, and all of a sudden my check was already in my mailbox on Friday. Mm-hmm. You know, everything was always taken care of. I mean, it was amazing. And then when we played in Vegas, I remember it was my parents' 40th anniversary. He, I see, had what's your parents' names and everything. And I told him, that I knew they were coming to the show, and he actually dedicated one of the tunes to my parents, which I thought was just amazing. Were they blown away? Oh, blown away! And and the shows were just quality and just a great bunch of musicians. So to it's travel his with.
0: music. When you say that he stands out as top three, right? Uh, not to take anything away from the others you've worked with, right? Is it his musicianship that you're taking into account, I or think is it's it the everything. whole? Package? I think it's
1: the whole package. There's okay. just nothing. He's a great musician, great singer, a guitar player, harmonica player, a great guy, funny. He knows how to hang with the guys. Um, even when his when his daughter was born, he sent us Taylor guitars, which is a a, a beautiful guitar being manufactured down in San Diego. He sent us to him a baby a baby Taylor with his daughter, you know, his name oh, on it, ridiculous. and our names. Engraved into the wood. I mean, each one was a personal thing. And just what little, would those cost? Who knows? Probably five or $600 a piece. Mm-hmm. But, but it's just a touch of this guy yeah. that would do that. You know, say, hey, let's go play some, you know, poker or, or blackjack. And he throws a $100 chip to get started. I mean, who does that?
0: You know? Yeah, that's fantastic. And,
1: and just every time something happened, I'll tell you the best thing that ever happened. I go to see him there at the Cerritos Performing Arts Center. And my oldest daughter was about maybe four or five months. And we just came to see the band and everything since they were so close. But we weren't going to actually see the concert. And he goes, oh, you got to go out front and see the concert. And I said, well, you know, the, the baby. And they were literally handing him his guitar to go on stage. And he goes, hold on a second. He leaves the venue, goes out to the bus, comes back in with baby earplugs. And he goes, here. Now you can go out front, and then he grabbed his guitar and went on stage. Now this guy stopped what he was doing, right, to make a difference. Yeah, that's solid. That is unbelievable, and I and I love the guy. He's, he was so always so great to everybody, and uh, and
0: he was good friends with Howie Mandel. Well, let's talk about that real quickly. That's how you and I met. I mentioned yes. at the top of the show. Um, Howie had hired me to be a writer on the show, yes. and I didn't know Howie prior to that, so it was a real oh. exciting event for me. Wow, that's great. Um, I'd been working on some other shows, and uh, but nothing of that caliber yet. Right. It was still earlier in my career. Right. And, yeah, I just heard about that he had a, you know, Howie Mandel's a show, and I submitted some writing samples, and they had a test that they gave you the guys, and I made it. Oh, that's It was amazing. an amazing experience. He gave me a shot.
1: Oh, that's awesome.
0: And so you were part of the house band. Yes. Run um, by, like, the most wonderful man. Oh, my gosh. Um, and, and tell us a little bit about what that experience was like. Um, uh, well, I got the
1: recommendation through a, a friend. You know, they're looking for a trauma player. They had had some kind of showbiz, you know, talk show experience. And I'd done a little bit of stuff and camera work and everything. So they, they want somebody to look good on, you know, camera. I mean, and you're, you're just so hot. Oh, gosh, look at me. <laughs> just irresistible. And we, you know, I got hired and it wasn't, it
0: wasn't even an audition. You know, and Goldie, you know. our Goldie Goldstein. is the uh, the
1: MD, the musical director.
0: And he was, a lot of people don't know this, guys. um, And tell me if I'm correct on this Mm. or wrong, Mm. of course. A lot of money is made on late night talk shows. Oh, yes. uh, But this is the sweetest job uh, almost you could ever have. Because the music, a lot of the music is original. Right. And if it's original, you get paid even more. That's right. And I remember that Goldie being the, you said, MD, right. musical director. Right. Really, Goldie, every episode could have written a, a solid original tune and collected money, residual, yes. uh, the whole deal. And I know he shared that. Yes, he did. Is that un, an unusual thing to do? It is. Some people would either put
1: their name on top of yours, you know what I mean? Right. Or, but Goldie would sit there and go, oh, hey, uh, we got some new stuff coming. Uh wonder, do not you write tunes, such and so, and just tell everybody, just write something and bring it in. And we old, always played our music, and so our, you know, ASCAP or BMI, our, our residuals reflected that, and that was just an added bump, you know. And it was just amazing. He's an amazing man. He yeah. was an amazing man. He yeah. passed away, yes. and it's way too young. Yes, he was fifty nine, I believe. And that's crazy. Yeah, it's I so went to sad. the funeral. In fact, mm-hmm. I saw how I was Howard out of there. town, unfortunately. Yeah, and but the band that we that he collected there was. Absolutely amazing. We, were, we we rehearsed in Burbank at Center Staging, and I remember he pulled the theme up, and we played the theme, and we just looked around each other like, okay, and we, a lot of us knew each
0: other. What know? do you mean by pulled the theme up? He had you listen to what he was thinking would be the yeah, theme? He, he, yeah, hadn't he hadn't played it yet. Yeah, he was he, playing for you what he imagined? Exactly, on okay. a little,
1: you know, uh, demo. And then we pulled up the piece of music and counted it off, and we played it. And it sounded as good the first time as it did when we played it the last time. It was The band was just burning. And then he started pulling up other charts, you know, some hard stuff, and then some bumpers, stuff that you would play going out to commercials and stuff like that. We call those bumpers. And everything just sounded so great. And then we pulled up one of the hardest tunes that we had, and the band just killed it. And we looked around at each other and said, this is our first day? Mm. I can't believe it. You know, because a lot of these shows, you know,
0: you don't know who you're going to get sometimes. How hard did Howie work as far as with, um, I don't, I should actually amend that, how involved was Howie in the selection of the band?
1: I don't think at all, you know. But he I, probably not that selected I Goldie,
0: of. I would imagine. Oh, absolutely. I think he worked with Goldie many times before It felt like they had things. a friendship. And, yes. you know, Howie did a documentary about me. I don't know if you know that. Oh, uh, no. Yeah, it's about my comedy. And uh, I, I believe Goldie at some point might have, was involved in the music. Oh, I believe I it. I think. Early, early, Mm -hmm. but you know, I don't think he finished it because he had passed away by the time they were at that stage, but I know early on.
1: He was incredibly gifted and we we all loved him and it was, it was, it was heartbreaking, you know.
0: Does it make sense to you when I notice a lot of um, music directors or uh, they, um, you'll hear sometimes like this, if it's um, like, like a down, like a downgrade working on a late night band. Right. I don't understand that.
1: Well, I think some people, I mean, the, the money is definitely there, you know, of yeah. uh, musical directors. Uh, I remember when uh, uh, Bradford Marcellus got the opportunity. To he do didn't me. want to do it, supposedly. Exactly. He didn't want to do it. And the, and he hung up with Jay Leno and he said to his band, it's like, oh, that was Jay Leno. They're like, I'm like what, are you, what are you talking about? Because all oh, he wants me to do tonight's show. And they were like screaming
0: at him going, don't you know what kind of money that is? You know? Yeah. And. And exposure. It, and you it's know, incredible. The, and they forget maybe that, like Leno going out when he was going out on the road, that just increases your ticket Absolutely. sales and that's all you. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. And I think the musicians knew, and not so much the band leader, because, you know, Bradford left after a year. He didn't want to, they didn't play the music. He wanted to keep it more jazz, but they needed to keep it more, you know, late night commercial. And, but, you know, he got a million dollars for that and he was off and running. In the Is that what a music director can
0: make at least a million? It just depends doing?
1: on who you are. You know, Late if night. you have a name, how long you've been out there like a Paul Schaefer. Nobody really knew who Paul Schaefer was, you know, right. before you know David Letterman. But he had done some stuff on Saturday Night Live as a piano player. And then next thing you know, he starts getting that, you know, uh, notoriety, kinda like a Doc Severton was. You know, Doc Severton was a jazz artist before he got to Tonight show. Mm-hmm. You know, and then, you know, he gets to Tonight show and puts on the you know, the nice garb and everything. In fact, and you know what's funny? Our dressing room at you know, at NBC, yes, our band room was Doc Severinsen's closet. Ha. Huh. <laughs> Which means he had a very big closet It was you incredible. had a very small It was room. a little of both, you know, but That's yeah, it was, it was amazing. They said, oh yeah. yeah, Doc used to hang his clothes and we're like, oh my God, and they ended up hanging our clothes and he had another closet. I mean, he just had so much stuff, but yeah, yeah that was a pretty historic little room. And if you
0: don't, if you guys don't know, Doc Severinson, he was the band leader for Johnny Carson. That's right. And uh, great and, trumpet
1: player and
0: great band leader and he's still alive today. He lives in Mexico. And he, may, he was an integral part of the show. Yes. And since then... Band leaders have,
1: yeah, they been have this, very this 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 kind of a you know to gab and in this whole you know uh, banter with the musical director. And I think if you don't have that banter with the host, I think it limits you to. I mean, it's great. There's a lot of guys in in Los Angeles that are qualified to write and play music, yeah. tons. But how many guys can you put up in front of a microphone? with millions of people watching you all night and you actually can be funny or you can you know be quick enough to do that very few guys it's can a do that it is do you get nervous before a performance you know i get the butterflies because i, I want to do well but i don't i don't really get nervous like i'm not going to be able to do well um i just i just practice and train myself had great teachers to train you you know, to to not be afraid. Do you have a
0: mental exercise you do before a performance?
1: Yes. What is it? It's it's made of grass, and it you wrap it in a. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so you you in t- no. partake in some medicine? <laughs> yes, medicinal purposes. Totally. No, I you know I think just being quiet for me, kind of a meditative thing. So I studied martial arts. I know how to just kind of zone things. It's called Mushin in Japanese. M U S H I N. Okay. It means no mind. I mean, it's trying to think of nothing. So you focus on your breath?
0: Yes, yeah, breathing and just trying to not think of anything. See, here's where I think you have a tough time mm. as a trombone player. Mm. Now, this is barely like... i I'm the same parallel, but I'll just say it. Okay. When I was in high school, I was in a swing choir. Okay, like Glee, you know. Right. And, you know, like when you're singing with a lot of people, you blend. Yes. And I didn't really... Audition much to have a lot of solos. I was a little, even though I was in a very, it was very out there, right. like visible thing and we danced and everything. I right. I still felt a little shy, you know? Uh, I, and if I made a mistake, I was a little insecure. Maybe it wouldn't be really heard, mm. you know? But when you're a trombone player, you know, you hit a wrong note or you come in a beat early. You know what our motto is? Strong and wrong. (laughs) Is that really? Yeah. In
1: other words, if you come in so convincingly, people think that everybody else is wrong. Has that happened? Oh, yeah. It's funny. There was a guy that I went on tour with. Uh, with Ray Conniff, name was Zeke Zarchi, and Zeke Zarchi goes all the way back to like the the 30s. In fact, he got out of the business in the 60s when residuals kicked in, when musicians were getting paid. Uh, That's when he got out, unfortunately.
0: Nice. But Timing he, wasn't his
1: thing. Oh, exactly, <laughs> but he was you know around with Satchmo and got to meet you know Louis Armstrong and so forth. But Zeke was great, and one of the funniest things he ever did. He's a funny guy. He would like when the band was playing and he made the mistake, and you could hear him. He would yell at the band and say, "Together." <laughs> you know, like, come on, it's no matter with you guys. So, and he would do that stuff all the
0: time. So he would blame the band jokingly.
1: Exactly. You know. That's and, hilarious. And, and that's what you do. And when you're in the studio, it's great because you can always go fix stuff. But live. But live, really... you just got to really be on top. That's why you rehearse a lot. You know, what's... some of these bands, they rehearse for a month before they got on the road, you
0: know. Uh, what, 10 hours a day? Five oh, hours oh, a Oh, yeah. Day? They're there all day. So what's the most embarrassing mistake you ever made in a live <sighs> performance? Um, I And... When I say that, I mean professionally, particularly yes. like if it was with someone famous yes. or, and maybe afterwards they, I'm well, going to tell you the exact story you have to tell. That's well, so funny. No, well, you go in, but this, this, is, this is the this parameter. Was, you this is easy. I was, I was
1: doing a casual, just like a, a show at uh, one of the big hotels here in, in Los Angeles and we're playing a Natalie Cole tune, Unforgettable. And there's a solo section where the saxophone on the record, you know, plays the solo. Now, some people modulate. In other words, they change to a different key during the solo, and then they go back to the original key afterwards. I didn't know they were going to switch. You didn't get the memo. I did not get the memo. I'm on the other side of the the band, so I really couldn't hear the rhythm. I could hear the rhythm section, but I was so sure I was just going to play what was... And I come in and I start playing and I must, I got probably almost all the way through the solo before I realized. And everybody is looking at me like, dude, what are you doing? And I sat down and I just realized, I said, oh my God, it was the worst solo ever played <laughs> by anyone in
0: the human kind of trombonism i mean it was just so this was a trombone solo alone when we say solo by yourself right. the bands everyone's there listening as well, you're yeah, playing it's just, the solo. it's just
1: the drums and the piano and the bass playing and i'm playing by myself and the singer was singing no thank god yeah the singer was okay. out and i'm playing because i didn't modulate and i'm playing through this thing and i stood up and i just you know put it out there man like here it is baby And I got halfway through and realized, like, oh, my gosh, I'm in the wrong... I didn't know where I was, and then I was embarrassed. I couldn't fix it. It was just a What do you do? You just say, I'm human, right? That's right. And I sat down, and the guys just laughed at me, and I said, won't make that mistake anymore. And then you go home, and you correct your mistakes, and you practice both things, and that's it. How has your relationship, your marriage, affected your music? You know, my wife is extremely supportive. You know, it it hasn't... um, even And especially, I think, since I haven't been on the road as much. And when we first started off, when we were both, you know, before we had kids, I would go down little things. And then um, I wasn't gone very long. I think the longest I'd, I'd been gone since I was married is maybe a month I was but in have, China.
0: What about having the support? In other words, it's such a hard business. Yes. And here you've got a woman, a partner yes. in life who's there with you. She's um, very supportive. It's so almost like,
1: whatever, do whatever you have to do. I mean, so I, I hate spending money, you know, I'm just like, Oh God! I gotta buy that. You know,
0: stuff that I want to buy it's great, but stuff that you have to buy, I hate buying. Is that it, because, know? as a musician, money is hard to make, or is it just a different? I think it's sort of thing just what's uh, going on. Well,
1: with you? I, well, I just think I don't. I, I like to save money and use it when I when I want to use it. Mm-hmm. Like if your sink breaks, like I told you, you know, my hot, my hot water heater. Broken now. I got to fix that.
0: I don't want to have to now. Spend money just so to you know, that. if you don't, you know, if you're not losing your mind, he did not say that during this interview. <laughs> he said that earlier today. Yeah, yes. When we you had texted. Yes, me. exactly. So it's like now I have to spend money on something right.
1: that shouldn't be breaking.
0: Well, here's the deal on that. Mm. This is my philosophy mm. that those kind of those kind of expenses. It's yes. kind of like playing Monopoly, and yes. you hit the seventy-five dollar luxury tax. Yes. It's part of life. Yes, it is. And that's how I look at it. Yep. And, you you if I want to be engaged in life, there are going to be these moments. Right. So my wife is really supportive. If I have to
1: spend my own money to get something for my music, which sometimes I don't really want to spend, oh, i got to buy a new horn. But I'm lucky enough that this trombone right here has been given to me by the Getson company for being the artist that I am. So I approached them years ago. Well, they actually, I, they approached me and Is I in like the biggest, it's one of the biggest. It, and I was playing a different horn at one time. And then they, and then they said, Hey, would you like to endorse our horn? And I was like, nah. And then my horn, the other horn I was playing got stolen. Oh, so I called them up the next day and I said, Oh, I think I'm on board with you. And they sent me my horn and they, and you know, I don't pay for my cases with, Thank God to protect, and he gets in they swing my horns. Well, how much so is a horn? Like what are that's horns? About, about? About close to three thousand dollars. Okay, so. yeah, which is cheap in the, with the instruments. It's a, a very got, affordable. Oh yes, compared to a violin. Oh or, my gosh, and flutes, flutes can cost twenty five, a
0: hundred. A hundred thousand dollars. I want to put you on the spot right now. Mm-hmm. Um, could you play like maybe a minute of something that just would blow our socks off? Okay. Uh, no one ever says blow, or socks blow their socks off. Socks off. You know, just something go. Holy crap! That guy is like. I mean, I, I know that's hard, probably, to be right on the moment. Well, I'll like, do.
1: I'll do. I'll do something that um, it's very strange. Trombone. and Most people think that a a horn only plays one note at a time, but I do this thing that's called multiphonics, where I'm actually singing and playing at the same time. So wow, you, so that you, sounds interesting. So you hear chords. It's really You're going to be singing. Yes. Okay. I'll, I'll be singing uh, like above the note, you know, a different interval. Huh. So you'll hear a chord. And this was made famous by a guy named Albert Mingelsdorf. And that's a great I name, by, by the Albert way. I, wish I, could, I love that. <laughs> <laughs> so, And he started doing the singing. and it's called multiphonics. How hard is this to do? Very hard. Most people can't do this. Don't try this at home, kids. Your parents will put you into a place where you'll never get out. <laughs> All uh, right, here we go.
0: Wendell Kelly. So good. That was really interesting. It's really weird, isn't it? It is. And it was just uh it was just cool. I love that. You just made that up? Yep. You know. What do you call that? Well you have to give it a name now. It's kind of like a little um It's called the Vic. I'm gonna name it.
1: All right. The Vic (laughs) multifonic blues it's all about
0: the it's a fair question. Yeah, (laughs) Vic Vic multifonic blues. That was really good. Thank you. So Uh, tell me about your lips. Uh, We were talking a little earlier and you mentioned that a lot of times uh, guys and I suppose ladies who play brass instruments have injuries. And one of them you mentioned is blowing out your lips. Yes. Explain that. Well, there's two ways to do that. You can blow so hard, it's just I think like, I know one of them. Yes.
1: <laughs> blowing with your lips and blowing out your lips are two different things. Okay. Um, well, Freddie Hubbard, let's, let's start with Freddie Hubbard. He was a great jazz trumpet player.
0: And how, if we want to find him, how do we spell that? Oh my, um, Freddie, I E. I E Hubbard, right. H-U-B-B-A-R-D. That's exactly okay. right.
1: Freddie Hubbard's an amazing trumpet player. He passed away a few years ago, but he uh, basically got a sore on his lip. And it just started developing and turned into this sore thing. And he tried to get it taken off by surgery and it just didn't get any better. And he kept trying to play and it just basically just moved his mouthpiece right off his face because he just couldn't play anymore. This thing ended up being like a, almost like a cancer, like a scar, like, you know, like skin that just built up and it, Took him right out of his career. And literally, he's probably one of the best jazz players, trumpet. That's called players. blowing your lips out? Well, that's just the sore. That's the first one. Blowing your lips out is when you play so hard because all these lips and everything around your, your mouth, we call that the embouchure in French. And it's, it means how you make your mouth when you get ready to play. And all, there's so many muscles through here that if you start, you know, tearing them and breaking them down, it, it's like pulling a hamstring. You know, that's okay. what it's like. And, you're, and then some guys have to, you know, ACL, you know, had to get surgery and get things repaired. Well, it's very hard to do that with a brass player. So you end up blowing your lip out and you can't get it back because those muscles just aren't healing. And it takes mm-hmm. a long time. And even if they do heal, how do you know you can come back 100%? Okay. So a guy that was playing a lead trumpet that could play really high notes, he might end up moving down to second trumpet, third trumpet, fourth trumpet where he doesn't have to hurt himself so much.
0: But blowing out your lips doesn't mean literally you are just like... Bleh, 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 bleh. Well, that, that's blowing out like your mind.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, you we have still... other substances for that. Okay, but you could still talk. Oh, it's yeah. Just, Okay. Yeah, but you just don't have any strength there anymore. It's... You can't play. Are your yeah. lips churred? No, they're not. And they should, should be. Should they be? I, I think they should. Not as a joke. No, I, they probably should be because that's how I
0: make my money. Do you have disability insurance? Yes, of course. Okay, yeah. so that would cover That it.
1: would cover it. Okay, great. You know? well, yeah. that's important.
0: Yeah, it is. Yeah. If looking um, at your experience in music, uh, we notice anyone who observes musicians or the business or the creative field, we can go wider, global, yeah. just say creativity, creative fields. It's mm-hmm. a lot of use of, we mentioned drugs and uh you're alone a lot. Mm-hmm. And I was just wondering, have you ever dealt with depression um, over the years or anxiety or uh, the kind of things that might come up when you're just alone or seem to be more common among creative types? Well,
1: well, in, in my book, I wrote a book, you know, that I was telling you about. Tell us the name again. It's called The Professional Musician, The Music, The Business, The Career, The Life. Okay. And I wanted to make sure that musicians, especially young musicians, Understood what they were getting into before they got into it. Now this is something that I learned over the years and learned from other people, my teachers and other peers. But in so when I talk about the music, that's one thing. The business, which really is, it is a business. You know, a career. You want to make a career out of this, but you have to. It, you have to have to. Uh, your life has to be in it in order for all those other things t- to happen. So there's different ailments and so forth that that I listed in the book that people would have problems with. You know, and depression is one of them. Have you had that? I don't think so. I'm too happy of a guy. I think the only time I was depressed, um, now I was I was married before the wife I have now. Okay. And I think that was the only depressing time I had. It, was, and it wasn't so much the person. It was just the act of divorcing. It was like, yeah. I don't want to have to go through this. I've been married before, so yeah. I understand. So that. I think it was that and that just moving on and thinking at a place where you should be in your life. And then it was kind of backed up a little bit, you know. But thank God for the Howie Show, I was able to buy myself another house. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's like, why you're depressed. It literally, wasn't the right. wife. It was the house.
1: <laughs> yes, yeah, so I, I let that other house go, and I was able to buy another house immediately. So that was. But you had no the, the, children
0: with the first marriage. None. So okay, that was so great. It yeah. was a little easier. Absolutely. So start fresh. So you
1: go a little. You get a little depressed. Um, I think when I was on the road, being alone, I actually loved it because. You know, a lot of guys would get off the stage and they have all these fans and all these people and everything like that. And then when they go to their own, you know, uh, hotel or whatever, then they would kind of have a low. They would be depressed because they want this high all the time. I actually loved it because I had so many things to do. You know, whether I was writing my book or whether I was, you know, writing some music, I always had an outlet to keep myself going. That's fantastic. I could never just, oh, I'm going to the bar. And believe me, I went to the bar with the guys, you know, quite often. But I always had something to look forward to, you know. So yeah. instead of staying at the bar for three hours, I was there for one and a half. Now, if we want to get your book, yes, is that on Amazon? It is. It, it's just now being put on to uh, Barnes and Noble and Amazon. But you can go to thepromusician dot
0: Okay, and again, uh, just for all you guys wanting to do any research on Wendell, it's W E N D E L L right Kelly right K E L L Y yeah. If if people want to hire you. Yes. How would
1: they do that? You can go to windowkelly.com. Okay. You know, and just email me and I have several things that I do not only as a band director. I'll tell you one thing that I just did about in November, which is amazing. Okay. I'm the musical director for this group called The Fab 4. And you can guess what it is. They're Beatles impersonators. Okay. And about 10 or 12 years ago, there another friend who used to produce with them, he actually worked with them and said, "Hey, these guys want to start doing orchestra shows cuz they would play all the instruments that all the you know the orchestration stuff that you hear on their records—they were played on the synthesizer. Mm-hmm. But now they wanted to graduate to actually use real performers. Oh. You know, so I literally had to transcribe, which means listen to and get sheet, uh, sheet music that I could find and write down all the great music that Sir George Martin wrote for the Beatles and recreate that. Mm. So that's something that was huge. You know, that I've done. So the Beatles music wasn't isn't written anywhere. It's it hits in a vault. His son, Sir George Martin, who just passed, literally. You can't buy Beatles no. written music. You can
0: you can get the sheet music, but you can't get the orchestration. Oh, it's a different because it's yes. an because orchestration. Yeah, you can just multiple get the bass part. Yeah, the bass part. That's an orchestration, part. right? Uh, multiple instruments. Absolutely. Okay. And, you know, our time is just about over. Can get you out believe of here. that? Yeah, we have just flown through this.
1: Is there that's anything it. you'd
0: like to uh, share? Finally, you know, just to kind of wrap things up. Um, I, I do want to know, if, again, if they want to get a hold of you. Yes. You, I think you said. Yeah, com. Uh, okay, and that's it. Great.
1: And then the book is TheProMusician.com.
0: Okay. Um, anything that you would like to share that we haven't covered? Uh, a message you'd like to share to to all, all of those yes. people watching and all listening? People.
1: You know, I think one of the things that I'd like to get, you know, to relate to everybody is if you know yourself, that's the first thing that you have to conquer. You know, I look at all the hate that's out there and and all the jealousy and so forth. It's all because that that person who's doing all the hate and the jealousy, they don't know themselves or they don't like themselves and they they don't want to change themselves, you know, and it's very hard to change, you know, and it's very hard to get to know yourself. Mm -hmm. And I think if people get to know themselves, they will end up loving everybody. You know, and there wouldn't be all this hate and stuff going out there. You have to enjoy yourself. You have to know yourself well enough. You have to know your shortcomings. I mean, I want to be six foot seven and slam dunk a basketball and play with the Lakers. Well, that's not going to happen. Five seven. You know, so you have to know what you can do, and you know not have to know what you can't do, and find that thing that you have. Everybody's got it in them. Whatever it's painting a picture, or it's you know building a car, you know, or shooting a basketball, or playing a trombone everybody has to find their niche and when they find that niche and they develop themselves fully of uh, their full potential they're going to be one of the happiest people in the world And it's not about money it's just about doing it and being happy with yourself so wow,
0: well, that is beautiful honestly that was really thank you yeah you know, and, and uh you live that i can tell yes i mean like i, I, I said we're at the top of this the energy and the this positive spirit you put out You you just feel, and I hope all of you can feel it as well, watching and listening. Thanks so much for coming out. I know it was a big drive for you. Oh, it's all right. uh, This has been so, so worth it for us. Oh, I'd love to do it again whenever. You're just amazing. Uh, Can you play us out? Sure. And we got a theme song you wrote, right? You played it at the beginning. I think I forgot it. Oh, that's okay. Just play us out. (laughs) Thank you guys again, and thank you, Wendell. Uh, Please subscribe on iTunes. Vic Cohn's It's a Fair Question. We got tons of episodes for you to listen to. And again, thanks so much to you guys. And thank you Wendell right. thanks that was good I'm Vic Cohen <laughs> and it's a fair question it's a fair question it's a fair question I'm Vic Cohen and it's a fair question it's a fair it's a fair it's a fair it's a fair question I'm Vic Cohen and it's a fair it's a fair it's a fair it's a fair quest quest question